0: Welcome to the Chasing Elephants podcast with Taylor Glow and Brent Crow. This conversation is designed to be a once a week encouragement about maximizing the moments of life by wrestling with the elephant in the room. If life is a story, we want to help you tell a good one. If life is a journey, then we desire to help you journey well.
1: And we're so excited. This is part two, but I still get to say it again, right? That Dr. Jay Strack, the founder, president, and boss of all of us, and whatever, 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 the Yoda of Student <laughs> Leadership University. So, this is the day I get to be boss. This, <laughs> this it's like one day, day a month. Just, yeah. just the day, yeah. Just, uh, um, but, Doc, you know, we're so excited that we get a few, a handful of uh, moments to sit down and have a conversation with you because, you know, the reality is. Whether it's uh, our Lyft Tour, whether it's uh, YPS, whether it's Student Leadership University, uh, some of the latter things that have been developed over the years, it was really all born out of an original original dream. So there's other things that have been born out of that dream, certainly. There's some incredible – I mean, even mediums like this that are resourcing people on a weekly basis, we wouldn't be doing this podcast if years ago there wasn't this thing called Student Leadership University Mm -hmm. Uh, that was born, and and you know the, I'm I'm reminded I don't I don't mean this in a in a uh, and I'm just gonna say it and everybody can make fun of it all they want, but I don't mean this in a well let's tip our hat to the past and the crusty old you know you know thing that's on the shelf and the dust is on it and all that and we got to bring it out and rem- open the al- photo photo album and it cracks as you open it and oh yeah remember that and we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that no no this is a this is a dream that is alive and is growing, hmm. and SLU is, I would say, probably in its uh, not in its infancy anymore. But I don't think it's even reached full he- no. fledged adulthood yet. We've not no. even begun to scratch the
2: Brent. Let me just the say, surface
1: on the potential of this thing, truthfully
2: as I know how. Uh, yeah, and I'm grateful for all the things uh, that you've said and that we've shared, and and you've always been very gracious. But I've I learned a long time ago that it takes a team to launch a dream and it takes a team to put a man on the moon or to do anything of significance. And uh, I've been very blessed. And, uh, you know, yes, well, you know, we did start Youth Pastor Summit, you know, then this young hotshot came along and now we got six of them, I think it is (laughs) uh, in a in a digital virtual one. And then, uh, you know, when it keeps growing and expanding and we started Leadership Rocks, which was a small couple day event in the state of Florida, because I didn't want to do a national tour again. Somebody talked me into doing uh, a tour and I'm going, man, that's the last thing I want to do. I spent 20 years traveling the country. I don't, I don't want to do that. And so you took Leadership Rocks, changed it to Lift, and it's one of the things that bring me the greatest joy that in this day and age when there's not a lot of clear opportunity, you know, an intentional, I should I say, I know, I think people all have the right motive and I think everybody's trying to do what they think they're supposed to do. But I like an intentionality about trying to make sure young men and young women have a chance to give their life to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Because if I'd have been there that night that I talked about last time we were together, uh, about how Jesus came into my life, and I had to stand. And I, the phrase I like to use is, "I built a manger in my heart, and I asked Jesus to be born inside me, and it changed my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, just transformed my life. And He's never left, and He's not just Savior; He's Deliverer. Yeah. But uh, so I, I am so proud of what the lift tour, and it alternates. Sometimes it's eighteen, sometimes it's in the twenties, different cities, and mm-hmm. it keeps growing and mm-hmm. expanding. And I. Certainly love the phrase that you came up with uh, about the front porch. It's our front porch ministries, which gives us an opportunity to help students now hear about right. SOU. But I would be an ingrate if I didn't go. I appreciate all the nice things you're saying, but I recognize it taken a team and it's yeah. taken a gifted young leader. And now the Lord's added a t- tremendous staff. I think we got the best staff we've ever had. And, and, and even Jeff. You know, no, I mean, you know. <laughs> see what happens when you're not I here, can't. Jeff? That's the clip that's Why? getting posted. Why
1: Brent wanted me to take a shot at you, I, I gave in well, to peer let's, pressure. We're going to be honest. Let's give credit where credit is due. One is uh, uh, we were grateful for about three and a half years. Ed Newton did serve our team pastoring. Do we the have to Bible Church, And he's the one that, that did uh, lead the name change. Um, I was involved with it, but he it was his brainchild. And then... Uh, uh, um, front Porch Ministries is something that they used to say when Christina and I were uh, ser- ser- not serving at, but attending North Point Community Church in Atlanta. That was how they referred to uh, a lot of their
2: some of I just figured Andy and, got it from you. Yeah, yeah.
1: okay. <laughs> All right. Just want to make sure we footnote that. All right. No, I appreciate um, it. Well, uh, let's talk about... Uh, Kind of the run-up to the dream that is slu and spend the most of our time yes sir. talking about the why of slu and then i'd like for us to paint a picture i think that would be helpful taylor of of what what it would feel like if i were a 15 year old student and i walked into that experience what could i expect mm-hmm. um how am i going to be challenged and uh, i mean everything from the environment to the content to you know what we're going to see and what we're going to experience mm-hmm. so so uh why don't we start with uh really where we left off, which is, can you just kind of bridge
2: the gap between- You you used a phrase Mm -hmm. uh, one time. You said, well, what do you, who do we want in this program? And I said, well, the biggest challenge, and you are asking what were some of our challenges is we had a real issue going on between discipleship and leadership. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of godly, powerful, wonderful youth ministers who were pouring their life into kids that were going, well, we don't need a bunch of leaders. We need disciples. And of course, my contention was, well, the word leadership means influence and disciples, if they're on a football team or in a choir or a cheerleading squad or a home or whatever, if they're not influencing other people in the locker room and other people that they're associated with, then I don't know if they're really disciples. In other words, so being a servant leader and being a disciple should be the same thing. You know, disciple means learner, means discipline. But, uh, and then you uh, said, well, who do we want? Who, who do you want here? And I said, well, I said, there's two things, Brent, I really need you to help me with. I don't want an exclusive program for a bunch of white kids from the Bible Belt. You know, it was the exact phrase I used. And I said, and number two, I don't want a program for people bringing the deacons' kids and the elders' kids. I want kids like you and I right. that may not be, you know, Chosen, chosen. You know, just just call what it is. You weren't chosen
1: for anything, (laughs) and and I don't have your testimony. But uh, because of my laziness and because I was uh, I was lettering in mediocrity, uh, nobody was choosing me for anything. And I heard you
2: were quite gifted at being mediocre. But anyway, (laughs) the uh, so, but you know that I remember that was a real. I think one of a real connection point where I began to go, man, this guy really gets it, because you said, man, I want a program for kids like that too, for everybody. Mm -hmm. Now, we want—so we ask youth pastors, bring us your 12. Who are those? But don't just bring the compliant kids who are going to fill out the syllabus and thank you for—man, thank you for that session. It was a blessing. I mean, we want the kids—and I said they may have fish and tackle certain places on their body, you know, or Mm -hmm. they may be tatted up or they may— have their hair this color or this long, you know, I was the long hair. So yeah. that's not near as vogue as it used to be. And I'm praying, I'm praying for a comeback. It is, And, uh, I'm praying for my own hair to come back. <laughs> but anyway, it's, an, it's another, it's not. It's, it it's, it's, an, it's another, it's left the, the every time I go through the passport control, you know, cause passports are good for 10 years now. And they go, is that you? And I go, look, the tide's going out. That's all you got to ask. The tide is going out. But, um, uh, So anyway, uh, I said, bring us those that you know in your heart heart, that they have a desire to make a difference. They have a desire. Because we have a lot of kids that may show up three times a month instead of every service. But if you knew their background, the fact that they're there three times and the fact that they're going to school, you know, and the fact that they've got a drill for Christmas, you know, whatever. So, uh, you know, but uh, it's amazing uh, that folks bought into that and, yeah. and they begin to get that because every youth pastor goes, well, who, who should I bring? And it's, and we, we, tr- it's not the easiest thing to bring kids to. So in other words, I th- our greatest joy is that we get to see firsthand and the way I love to say it, and I'd be interested in Brent, your take on it, but I've tell, I feel like we get to walk with students during their most formative years. Right. And people say, oh, no, those early years are the most formal. I don't. I'm, I, we're talking about life or death issues, dating, alcohol, drugs, uh, study, uh, the battle for the mind, the battle for your body, the battle for your family, the battle for your future, your lifestyle, all the cultural war. I mean, we get to walk with students from the time they're 14, 15, 16, 17. And uh, I guess the best way to kind of, and it's a great privilege to be able to do yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Now, you asked me, you know, what led to student leadership? And simply, Brent and uh, Taylor, when I gave my life to the Lord, flushed the drugs, began to make a stand, the Jesus movement, uh, I began to get some opportunities. And uh, there was a, uh, I couldn't, but I was turned down by 13 colleges. No college wanted me. And Diane, my uh, fiance at the time, said, you know, you love the Bible. But your your transcripts are so bad and your police record is so bad. None of these colleges, when Christian schools were turning me down, you know, I I sometimes jokingly say the army said we didn't need anybody during the Vietnam War. That's how bad my record was. And yet they took Forrest Gump. That'll make you feel good about yourself. Right. But uh, simply put, uh, she said, why don't we take one of these extension courses that were advertised in the paper? Mm -hmm. And there was this guy with a Ph.D., only back then, I think it was a THD, Doctorate of Theology from New Orleans Seminary, but from Stetson University, an extension course, Old Testament survey, New Testament survey. She said, you love the Bible. Why don't we take this course one night a week and I'll go with you, I'll take it too, and I can help you get the homework assignments done, but you love the Bible. And so anyway, I went through Old Testament survey and made an A, went through New Testament survey. Well, this guy, because he'd never had anybody in his class with sandals and hair to their waist, you know. Uh, every night began to, after class said, well, let's go spend some time together. And I just thought he was a lonely old guy. I'd never heard about mentoring or, or discipling. Yeah. You know, this guy was investing in us. So I just thought he's a lonely dude. And finally I'd go, Diane, I can't. D- yeah, you know, he needs some friends. And Diane's going, I think there's probably another reason why he's doing it. Mm-hmm. So he was the guy we went to about getting married. You know, and he mm-hmm. was an emeritus, and he taught us give 10%, save 10%, you know, I mean, all the, and then perform the ceremonies. But he was director of missions. Back then, they were called associational missionaries. So We had like 20, 30 churches. Some of them were big First Baptists, and some of them were small little rural. And in a little town called Immokalee, Florida, which is a migrant community, agricultural community, uh, right between Naples and Fort Myers on Got the way to exit. my One okay. exit. <laughs> And I think Immokalee is a Seminole Indian for you can't get anywhere from here. You know, so (laughs) the church had 17 members and uh, he asked me to go preach one Sunday and give my testimony. And I won't go through. We'll tell that story some other time. But I ended up being called to be the pastor Mm -hmm. and uh, was there a year and a half and we baptized about 130 people let's state of florida in baptisms per ratio which means we could have baptized four with the numbers we had and led <laughs> the state of florida and baptized but we had about 130 people get saved and so i started getting invited to do youth revivals uh but it was obvious i needed an education mm-hmm. but i had proven i could make i could you know i had this two courses that i'd done on the, on the college level and so make a long story short a uh, College took a chance on me, Charleston Southern University, and they believed in me, took a chance on me. They diagnosed that I was dyslexic, diagnosed I was ADD, but they saw something in me that they said, man, there's some real value here, but this kid needs some help. So they really just invested in me. And so while there, I was a youth pastor at one of the largest churches in the state, uh, which opened up doors for me to do associational rallies and to do statewide youth evangelism conferences. Uh, Brent, they sent me to learn to beat uh, the, what was called the WOW program, which was like for spiritual laws, but oh, for wow. teenagers. Okay. And so I would teach that. We, you didn't get that? I just no, said, oh, I, know, well, okay. I got right. it. I so got got it. He's, sure. Taylor, we just kind of smile when he does that, don't just we? Smile yeah, that. Yeah, just smile. just <laughs> smile and just let it go. The, uh, so I'm get, starting to get all these uh, opportunities and then next thing i know uh man we're starting to see a lot of people get saved my first area wide was in a town called 96 south carolina old Piggly wiggly building that had been abandoned and we put up chair and we had like 110 or something get saved and i never will forget the headline said 110 saved in 96 (laughs) you know uh but it just began to open up little towns smaller towns And then uh, while in college, I'm preaching in all the churches in Charleston revivals, uh, a principal heard me speak. He said, man, would you come speak to our students? I said, I really don't want want to. And uh, because I've seen people get booed in high school assemblies, I know the Bible says you reap what you sow. I know I'll get, you know. Mm. He said, Jay, we need it. Man, we got drugs. We got this. So he talked me into coming. But just before I walked out on stage, you love this, Brent. You've heard it. You just can't say anything about Jesus. I mean, like three minutes before I walk out, and I'm going, dude, this is going to be the shortest talk you've ever heard because I don't have anything to say other than what Jesus did in my life. He said, just tell some, just tell your story and talk about you had an experience that you realized that you didn't need drugs, you realized you didn't need alcohol, and talk about the role of the friends like you did that helped you get to where. To the Bibles and help not but don't mention Bible study, just say meeting. So he said, I'll get fired if you do. So I went and ended up going like sixty minutes and got a stand up. I home. can't imagine that. You you uh, went you going, sixty it's minutes. It's hard to what? believe without any notes. I mean gosh. Of course when I pull out a note, you know everybody runs and hides because I'm dyslexic. <laughs> be I can't We're gonna be here for a <laughs> while. A it's gonna be like a Netflix series. No, for three. <laughs> but anyway. Uh so I uh get the standing ovation. And next thing I know, he's on the phone talking to other principals. So in college, I started speaking in high schools and little did I know 20 years later that I would average four or five times a day, five days a week for sometimes 20, 30 weeks a year uh, doing crusades and speaking in the schools and then inviting them to come to the football stadium of the Coliseum. So I'm speaking in all these high schools and then the Houston Chronicle uh, in the Dallas Morning News and a couple pl- like that did some big articles about that I'd spoken to more teenagers than anybody in history. How do you document that? Who knows that? But it certainly didn't hurt me that I'm getting that kind of mm-hmm. notoriety. And I'd written several books on drugs and drinking and the, what happens when the family breaks down and uh, motivational books for when you graduate, you know, how to get from where you are to where you want to go. And so I'm speaking in all these high schools, but some of those coaches and teachers would then go on to universities. So you, so I'd get asked to come speak to the football team for Alabama or Ole Miss or Texas Tech was the first college I ever spoke to the athletes in. And then they asked me then to come speak in a couple classes, and then I ended up doing some kind of convocation. And so colleges began to open up for me and some businesses and corporations but then I got an invitation to the Air Force Academy. And man, I was so excited. And they wanted me to teach on leadership, but teach. On, and so I, I wrote a chapter in a book called uh, How to Avoid Being Pearl Harbored in Your Life. And I talked to these young grads. But while at the Air Force Academy speaking, uh, they had the honor code violation. And then they'd just gone co ed. So there was some conduct unbecoming to an officer and gentleman and all that terminology. So in essence, all my presentations were set aside and I had to deal with the best and brightest with stuff that you should learn in Sunday school. How do you treat, you know, how do you, how do you act? What about cheating? What about this? What about that? Now it wasn't so much that they were cheating, but the honor code says, if you cheat, I got to tell on you. Or if I've heard, you know, a Brent, I think cheated on that. If I tell that you're dishonorably discharged whether, but no one wants to ruin somebody's life right? And so, I mean, it was, so there are all those kind of issues. So I'm speaking at the Air Force Academy. I walk out, ended up being invited back some nine different, uh, I made some nine different presentations. But while there, I, the light went off for me. You know, I've been doing some major corporations and training and speaking, and I'm going, those people are 35 and 40. And now I'm at here where this is the best and brightest. If the best and brightest are struggling with how to live, how to act, how to think, what to do, then what in the world's happening to the average teenager? So that's when I began to think. And I moved to just moved to Orlando and the Disney and the edutainment and SeaWorld and Universal, that whole world. And because of my learning disabilities, I got to see it, touch it, feel it. And I went, you know, what would happen if I'd take this stuff I was doing at the Air Force Academy? all right, take this stuff that we were doing for Walmart or Chick-fil-A or some of these companies, Johnson & Johnson, corporations that I was doing. Uh, what would happen if I got the best youth communicators in the country who love teenagers, just set themselves on fire? Because, you know, I, I want I them wanted to hear from a lot of PhDs. Uh, but I also know that just because somebody's got a doctorate or is an expert, it may not be what the teenager needs to eat. I need somebody that would make it come alive. You know, dress and drag, do the hula is the phrase I love to to use. That's real original with me, Mm. you know. But anyway, Pumbaa, I think so. Mm -hmm. But anyway, or Timon, what? But uh, so I got the idea, let's help students instead of waiting until they're 35 or 40 or 50. So that's where I kind of came up with that, give them a 20-year quantum leap. But the reality was... Take the stuff that corporations are spending literally billions of dollars in North America to train their employees, you know, how to act, how to think, integrity, team building, all that kind of stuff. What if we took that, based it on the word of God, had strong biblical worldview, did some fun, cool things because my ADD and attention span stuff. And then most of all have youth people that love students who just pour themselves in the students. And so I'm telling this crazy idea to Diane, and she's. I said, but she said, "Well, you're gonna need a hotel, you're gonna need buses, you're done you know what I mean." And so we did our first one, and I think we had fifty, fifty-one. And uh, it. And what also happened, Brent, is I did a youth pastor. Uh, I'm a. I love youth pastors. I know you do. I know Jeff. Does. I mean, our whole team does. So mm. we know those are probably the key people in the life of a church. I always try to share with pastors, love your youth pastor, invest in the youth pastor, all right? So anyway, we did a youth pastor summit, and that's when we were looking at what baptisms were uh, across the board, some 30 denominations. Bill Bright and I did a a survey of 30 denominations, uh, found out that what was happening to kids once they graduated high school, left the youth group, left home, left the Christian school, whatever, and went off to college, how many of them were staying to the faith mm-hmm. and that's when that we came up with a statistic that uh you know a lot of people uh, about 10 years after the fact began to question but the based on the survey from 30 different denominations that they'd spent a year working on we were t- that's where we came up with the statistics that between uh 85 and 88 percent of those that leave our youth groups are, and go off on their own or not three years later are no longer engaged in the local church yeah so I got a bunch I got forty youth pastors, fifty youth pastors together. I called it a Texas death match, loser leave town, hair versus belt, the whole stuff. you know we locked the door, and I, my opening statement was baptisms is the single greatest indicator that somebody's truly a Christian, just to get and it started a yeah. big debate, and the bottom line was we asked youth pastors if you got to do over a Mulligan, what would you do? And they all said. We would spend, and these were the best I knew mm. the, from several denominations. Now, obviously, there's hundreds that should have been in the room that I didn't know, but these were some of the best I knew. And to, they had to be in youth ministry at least 15 years. Mm. I didn't have anybody that was just kind of passing through, you know, uh, at, at least intentionally, that was my goal. And we asked the question, what would you do if you got a do-over? And they all said we'd spend more time on those that have a call on their life. We, we wish we had the time. I said, man, you got youth camp, choir trip, mission trip, and they're saying, Jay, you know, you're the guy that comes in and speaks, but if you're the youth pastor, the, we got the least amount of our time with our kids with all that craziness going on. We got to do a thousand other responsibilities. We wish we had a week where we didn't have to worry about the music, worry about the meals, the hotel, the campground, the whatever. And we could just be with our students and they go through some training to prepare them for what happens when they leave. Yeah. So that's what student leadership began. The Air Force experience and at the same academy, you know, that aha moment. And then fleshing it out with some 30 denominations with this Bill Bright project on what happens to kids when they leave home and then getting those youth pastors together. And so I asked them, would they bring me a handful, one or two of their students, and let's do a beta test. And so the first year, I think we had 50. Second year, I think we had 60. Mm-hmm. And they said, Jay, do it again, do it again. And then they begin to say, those students are different. So we started, we wanted those going in their senior year, Brent, when we first started. Now it's, we ask them once they turn 14, so that they can go through this three yeah. or four year journey with us. And so that's, That's the why behind SOU, to prepare students for when they're out of, away from home and away from the youth group.
0: Got you. Um, And before I ask another question, though, I kind of want to talk more intentionally, though, about just um, what a 15-year-old could expect when they're coming. So we've kind of given the generalities of what, you know, you made SOU become. So we have... The fun experience, we have the conference, but if a 15 year old is listening or they're reading on the website and what is, cause this program, and I can speak just personally from going through it, it is designed so intentionally for each and every moment that you're there to develop and yourself and your leadership journey. And so I kind of want to go into more detail about and have you explain what does that look like when they're sitting in the conference room? What can they expect? When they're out at Universal or Six Flags or wherever, what can they expect? And why was that put in the program as a part of the program? Well,
2: there's only reason we got Brent to come. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, yeah.
0: <laughs> the fun part. Yeah,
2: yeah. in other words, uh, you know, work hard, he, play hard. You're a play serious hard. youth <laughs> pastor. Serious youth pastor. When do we go to Universal? When do we go to Sleepy right. no, But anyway, the, um, well, wow, great, great question. Uh, Taylor, I think two things, and I hope this doesn't sound, I'm the old dude now, still incredibly cool, but the old dude. But my number one desire is I wanted students to know it's cool to be a devoted, passionate follower of Jesus. Are you a Christian? No, it's worse than that. I'm a devoted, I mean, you know, I I wanted to have an experience where they'd be around other young people because it's contagious when you see other young people that are excited about the Lord, and it's not just your youth group or your, it may be a smaller town, smaller church, or it may be a mega, but when you begin to see folks from around the country sitting beside you and they're excited about, but so number one, it's cool to be a Christian. It's cool to make good grades. It's cool to stand up to bullies. It's cool to go. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. It's cool to, to serve. How can I help? What can I do? And it's cool to have a desire, a vision, a dream. So, you know, in essence, uh, and Brent will remember the moment well, when uh, we were working with some groups and SLU's really been cooking and we're, we're, we're doing well. But finally, as everybody looked at the different pieces, it just became obvious that one day, with what y'all are doing, just teaching students how to think, how to dream, and how to, how to lead. And uh, it was just that kind of that like a hermeneutical moment in a sermon almost, you know, where it just, the verse breaks into the, Couple pieces so that the overall big picture we want to give them it's cool we'll give them permission give them a, try to give a, a a sweet taste in their mouth to do the hard things and you know now the problem is when we started this thing leadership I didn't know any of this and you can have a doctorate uh now things have changed I've watched Brent go through his phd program and I'm Jeff's going through it and uh, so I know there, the, the education's finally catching up. But when I went through school, I'd never heard a, a lesson on leadership. Mm. I never heard a lesson or a message on vision. I'd never heard about team building or contingency planning or goal setting. Zig Ziglar taught me how to have written goals. I mean, you know, so in, you can have a lot of degrees and be a successful preacher and still not know how to lead. And yet we got all these business leaders sitting out there in front of us and then students don't know so i but i said well and i always have to know what the word means because mm-hmm. of my learning disabilities and i got to have a word picture i got to see it feel it and so i looked up the word lead and it says the action that a leader takes well that was helpful so then i looked up the <laughs> word leader one who leads i mean and you're I, like oh, right. yeah, yeah, i'm just like a dog <laughs> this is <chaser>. a circle. <laughs> exactly so uh we came up with what's called the components for leadership and that was my old time, one of the hardest things I ever did was say, Brent, you do the components. And the thing I love about what Brent does is, you know, he still stays true to a lot of those competencies, but with, he's, you know, a great thinker and a PhD discipline. And besides that, he's somebody that went from being this to taking a huge quantum leap in his life. Mm -hmm. And so uh, to hear Brent teach it you know, it's different than the way I teach it. And when Jeff teaches it, it's different. but you, I'm telling you that when you go through those components, you know what it means to be a leader and it's, and it's things you never hear, do the hard things you got to go for leadership further down the road. You know, all we had spent a whole podcast talking about one of those uh, sessions, but it was trying to put, it's cool to be this and then put a sweet taste in their mouth and then baptize them with a biblical worldview so that, you know that what this book is, you can build your life on it. Mm -hmm. You can build eternity on it. And brilliant men and women with great credentials and great pedigrees believe this book. So if you go off to college, and Dr. Wine and Cheese, as I like to say, waddles out with their little pipe and you're not sure what's in the pipe, and they try to pull up everything you've been taught in a lot of these universities and public universities, et cetera, pull up by the roots everything your folks and have prayed for and planted in you, your youth pastor, and everybody's invested in you. And yet we send them off to cotton. They get all this stuff pulled out. And so we also found out most Christian young people were not even thinking about Christian colleges when we started student leadership. We would have four or five schools that none of them had be, ever been heard of by most of those students because we'd go where our favorite football team was or where our friends were going or whatever. So The overall picture, we wanted to be cool. We wanted to put a sweet taste in their mouth for the things of God. We wanted to help them understand their worldview. And we wanted to give them the ability to learn how to think, how to dream, and how to lead. And then we came up with the idea of a journey.
0: Yeah, expanding Of a journey. So
2: 101, you know, it was Orlando. And then we went to San Antonio. And then for a while, we went going to San Diego. And uh, because there was a sea world there. And the reason is, you know, I wanted... I I wanted to have a session with the shark tank Mm -hmm. so they could talk about how do you swim with the sharks, how to be a dolphin in a shark-filled world, and then how do you get in the water with a five-ton killer whale? And then what about the dolphin trainers? What's the difference between being a dolphin and a shark, a giver and a taker? And make it, but also fun. You know, let's let's have some fun while we're doing it. So 101s in those cities, we'll, we'll spend a day in a theme park We'll go to SeaWorld and have those sessions and you'll get to ride a couple of coasters and see some of the marine shows or whatever. But we did all that because it's uh edutainment to quote mm-hmm. a Disney term, you know? It's <laughs> fun it. to learn. And give and they're learning while they're having fun and they don't even realize it. And then all of a sudden there's those aha moments. But having speakers like Brent and Jeff and we we have a who's who lineup that comes in and augments and Some of the great thinkers on the planet, on apologetics. So that's our 101 program is 101 time management, 101 leadership, 101 people skills, 101 biblical worldview. Then the next year's because I'm very creative, 201. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, (laughs) 301, 401. Now, I don't want to brag. It's just a spiritual gift to be creative like that. But uh, that kind of described, but every year we're building on it. So it's leadership 201. Mm-hmm. It's biblical worldview 201. But yeah. we'll, in DC, we'll hear from the White House, the Pentagon, uh, back in the day before our crowds got so big, we'd hear from people from the Supreme Court, but uh, congressmen, you know, the Congress and the House and the Senate. And, and then we'll go to the, all the monuments and we'll go to the museums. And we would take advantage of DC. I always tell everybody Disney, and Universal, and SeaWorld, and NASA, Cape Kennedy, they built all that for me. So I could use yep. that to help students get it, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and then DC, I appreciate them building those museums for our yeah, students, really you know, and those monuments. 301s, London, Oxford, Normandy, Paris, uh, cause it's really based on something. A guy named Charles Tremendous Jones, a great old time motivational speaker, uh, went with me when I was in Atlanta, on two or three occasions into mm-hmm. high schools. And he said, you know, Jay, he said, uh, it's the places you go and it's the people you meet, and the, it's the places you go and it's the books you read. And I said, man, that is great. I said, could I quote you on that? He said, you take it and use it. He said, Jay, I'm, you know, he was in his 80s mm-hmm. then, you know. And so we added through the years, it's the places you go, it's the people you meet, it's the books you read. Now, he was real big on the reading, mm-hmm. you know, uh, he would always give away books. He gave me four or five of the most transformational leadership kind of thinking books I'd ever been. Charles Tremendous Jones gave that to me. So, but how, 20 year head start on the places you go, the people you meet, the books you read. And now we've added what you memorize because in this age we don't even know our phone numbers anymore. Of anybody, our wife, our girlfriend, our mm-hmm. daughters. I mean, I just push a button. Right? Yep. So th- we came up with this journey concept. Mm-hmm. Well, Jay, as we kind of come to a close, um,
1: you know, one of the things I've, uh, and I've, 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 I know this in my head, but I'm just, I'm seeing this again for a little bit of a kind of a fresh take, if you will. You know, you, you ministered to your generation and the students in your generation, mm-hmm. then you ministered to, uh, the Gen Xers, and you ministered to the Millennials. I ministering to the Gen Z, uh, to Gen Z. So, you've the Lord's used you, you know, in four generations now, uh, to be uh, um, a voice crying out in the wilderness. Uh, here's my I want to end on this note if we can, because SLU is not an end unto itself. Um, we hope to work ourselves out of a job one day. Um, What's your hope for this generation? If you could, if you could put it in a concise format, what would your hope be for Gen Z? And and I know there's other ways we refer to it. Personally, internally, I call them the Pixar, the Toy Story generation. Yeah, you know, I've heard you because, do that, and I like that, because you know? Gen, you know their dates start with the first full length computer animated film, and so. But if you could, just I love the way give, you
2: justify going to see all those kind of. <laughs> movies aimed at children for research i love the way you do that but anyway it's
1: education.
2: it's edutainment Um, Yeah, there you go all
1: right uh but if you could give us a concise this is what this is Mm -hmm. my hope for this generation what would that be
2: um i know it's not original but we we know there was a group called the greatest generation that literally saved the world and a lot of that was done through military might and Sacrifice of much life and tremendous courage and bravery and hardship. Uh, We need another greatest generation. And there's battles going on that are not... It's battlefields, but it's not on a beach in Normandy, you know, uh, or uh, in uh, the Pacific on an island, you know, going uh, cave to cave. Uh, It may be. We still have wars and rumors of wars. We always have had them. Uh, But I, I do believe... My prayer is that there is a group that is going to fall in love with Jesus and not be ashamed of their faith and not go. That's mom or dad's or really, whatever. But you know, my opening statement, and I know it's corny, but I've been saying it so long it's just part of my DNA. And I've I've, I've said it in the locker rooms of uh, the NFL and NBA and Major League Baseball as well as prisons or in thousand over 10,000 school assemblies. But there has to be a time when the little boy sits down, the man stands up, little girl sits down and the young woman stands up. And what I mean by that is where they begin to take ownership of their faith. This isn't mom's religion, dad's. This is my religion. I believe, Uh, Brent, uh, again, I, I kid you a lot and we have a, fun, great relationship, but, uh, you just walked out and said, man, I just met a bunch of kids that are convinced in their own minds that this is real, you know, and I know that there's a verse that, you know, that plainly teaches, but I mean, you know, you have a way of capturing moments. I guess you ought to write a book about moments till midnight (laughs) or something, you know, (laughs) we didn't think midnight would ever get here. I'm just telling you, but anyway, uh, uh, and it's a good book, but it's not your best. Sacred Intent is my favorite of all the all the ones you've written because we only got a week to live. Yes, you know what I mean, and yes. it's already for me Saturday. So thank yeah, you, Brent, for that you. lovely thought. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. but uh, he's still so cool. But anyway, <laughs> uh, but to see them become fully convinced in their own mind, and but they got to own it and be able to say to their buddies, "Hey, listen, man, I know you're going through some real struggles with." Uh, you know, who you are. And, and, you know, there's a lot of things that young people deal with today. I look at my background and I go, man, there are kids today. They got it a hundred times worse than I had because now there's so much confusion and you're encouraged to do things that were beyond comprehension to, to my generation. So, and I know this pain or this search, you know, I think the scariest thing I've ever heard is when a, transgender young person was asked, how do we respectfully refer to you? You know, and the answer was we. Not, not he, not she, not, you know, and, and one person said them or we. And I, and, you know, of course, as somebody that was double-minded and schizophrenic almost, homo- you know what I mean? And I had all this uh, emotional and, and, and Learning challenges and disabilities, or whatever the term is uh I'm watching young people that are i mean amazing young people and but yet they're in this cultural war, and everything's so ambiguous so i I look at young people today and I think they they're going through a tougher time than I went through when we had all the l s d and all the drugs, and anything went, and nothing's true and uh, and God's a joke, and God is dead, in fact, was the official mantra. So some things, the more things change, Brent, you've heard this a hundred times, the more things change, the more they remain the same, right? And so every generation has to go through, in essence, what the Scripture teaches. There's a battle for the mind. Mm-hmm. There's a battle for their body. There's a battle for their soul. And there's a battle for their family, which is why the ro- lion roars to separate the young from the family. So in essence, I'm still doing the same thing I was doing at 19 or 20. Now, hopefully, I've gotten better at it. Now, I have to realize, and I have a great staff that helps me, and you're a real royal pain on some of this. But uh, how, mm-hmm. we pre- how we how we present it, and the, the setup of the room, and and how to enhance the learning experience, and Let's have candles and little blankets. No, I'm kidding. But anyway, but it. uh, No, I know. But anyway, but I've watched Brent. So I mean, I'm able. I got the best of of all worlds. I get to share what I I I will share till I die. Now I'm getting to do it to folks that are everything I dreamed it would be from all over the country. And as you know, you've been with it. We've gone done this in China and in Africa. And all over the Middle East, and it's exciting that we get to take uh, leadership. And, and by the way, uh, leadership begins at the feet of Jesus. And I want to just say to every youth pastor listening, and I, I have to, again, I hate to do this, give you some credit for it. I, I started SLU on the desire, we need Joshua. We need Joshua. But yet I knew, and you know, in my home, I got a big mural as for me in my house. We'll serve the Lord. I've got a big statue of Joshua and Caleb, you know, carved in olive wood, pretty good size. I love Joshua, but I had to realize that one of my heroes dropped the ball. He didn't train anybody. He didn't do what Moses had done. And I taught that for years. Well, you come along and then you go to seminary, and then you write a you you do extra credit and help a professor writing a book, and you came up with how Moses prepared Joshua. The reason there was a Joshua, and if my memory's right, you know, the, the how to worship and how to go to war and how to go through the day in and day out walk and how to work. I mean, you came up with this very simple but profound outline that kind of helped complete the picture, I had the picture, I was trying to say Joshua died and then you have the next book of judges and there was no leader and it was a dumpster fire, you know, but I love the way, you know, and I know, you know, it was in another book, you know, but, uh, uh, that you came up with, you know, but how to, so what we're trying to do is help youth pastors, uh, the greatest need of every young person. They need a mentor. They need a motivator. They need someone that'll monitor, how well they're doing, and they need someone to model for them. This is how you do life. This is how you love your wife or love your husband. This is how you treat young ladies. This is how you act. This is how we feel about people that are different than us, that are from different neighborhoods or different zip codes. I mean, so if we're, um, if we're helping them become models and mentors and motivators and just somebody to keep up on them, where have you been? That was one thing about Jesus Movement. Jay, where were you Tuesday night? Are you okay? Are you messing? I mean, it's everything good. I saw you with a sitting with a girl in Bible study. Is everything kosher? I mean, you know there was accountability, and even though it was this loosey goosey deal, but people cared about other people. But so that's that's what we get to do: is to help a generation whether it's youth pastors and help youth pastors go on a personal development plan for themselves, and to help them. Uh, do what they want to do, but give them some tools and some training and some experience, and most of all, just be their tag team partner. Man, let us bring us your students. Let us work with you to serve what you're trying to do in their life. And then obviously help the church go on and be, if the church isn't strong, we're all toast. We're all guacamole anyway. So that's what we're trying to do.
0: Well, thank you so much, Dr. J, for, again, joining us. Um, this week. uh, And I just encourage you all, if you don't know exactly or haven't checked out um, what student leadership actually is, you just found this podcast somewhere in the podcast atmosphere, um, please visit our website and check us out at www.slulead.com. You can also follow Dr. J on um, social media outlets at the letter j strack 007. you can follow brent at brent a crow and you can follow me at taylor h glow in all of our fun lives um but again, why don't
2: i get an initial goodness i mean i know 007. okay
0: yeah, that's, that's okay. Cooler. Right. It's cooler it's a
2: secure line shaken but it's not cooler. stirred yet. right
0: exactly right. um be sure to subscribe rate us like us um all the things and again thank you for joining us this week hope see you have a good one
1: see you next time